0: We're going to go ahead and jump into our message this this morning. We're actually finishing up our Christmas time at Broomfield Assembly series. I know that that Christmas was yesterday, and again, I hope that you had an awesome time with family and friends. But, you know, it's still kind of Christmas time, and and so we're going to kind of finish this one, this series up today and and kind of look again at, at this unbelievable story, this story that really changes Everything. And the title of the message this morning is The Message in the Manger. The Message in the Manger. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, we thank you so much for this time and this opportunity to come together and be together in this way. Father, I pray that you would just speak through me as, as Father, we continue to celebrate your birth and celebrate all that that means. Father, I pray that you would just speak through me in this moment. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. When Emily and I got married a little over 15 years ago, we actually just celebrated our 15th year anniversary uh, a couple of, about a month ago actually in in November. Uh, we got a lot of wonderful gifts as you normally do when you get married and you know, you kind of get the pots and pans and you gonna get those things that are all practical and real helpful, but but also sometimes you'll get those special gifts that that kind of are very very meaningful and and for our wedding we got a a nativity set from Emily's grandparents. And it's a very special set and I remember when we got it and of course for me, you know, we, we got married on November 25th, so it was like a month away from Christmas. I got all excited because I was like, "Oh, perfect. This is a nativity set for our house and a decoration and it's beautiful." I mean, it's it's really, you know, it's got all the stuff, you know, it's got Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus and the shepherds and the wise men. It has a little little barn looking thing and and it's in our house and has been every year. Uh, since then but you know it's kind of interesting it's it's all pretty and it's all beautiful and it all looks you know very nice and and you know you look at the figurines basically and and, and there's no dirt on them and there's no they're, they're very they're very beautiful and dressed up and all these sort of things and 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 I, I think it's a great nativity I'm so glad that we have it but I think it's also somewhat kind of a a, a an interesting nativity because it's not it doesn't look at all like probably what that looked like at the time. Now, they didn't make it and basically say, how can we make this look as authentic as possible? But at the same time, it's interesting because you look at this this, this nativity and of course, here's little baby Jesus and, and he's kind of in the manger and he's just perfect and, and, and amazing and all these things. And, and the thing is, that is not what it was. It's, it wasn't like that in a lot of ways. Because here's the thing we have to remember, you know, when God sent his only son for us he could have put him anywhere and placed him in any place but he chooses this small insignificant town called Bethlehem and and when when Mary and Joseph actually get there there's no place for him to stay, and so Jesus is born basically what a lot of scholars believe is, is probably a cave, or, or, or just basically a, like, almost like somebody's garage basically today, a place where animals are stored, and, and, and basically in all of that, this baby is born that's going to change the world, and God chooses for his son to be placed in a manger, and really, that's kind of one of the things that we want to talk about this morning. And it's in your notes. If you have them, you can follow along. But, but this all happens. And God places his only son in a feeding trough. In a feeding trough. In, in, a, in, a, in a, a thing that animals eat out of. This is where the Savior of all mankind is placed after he's born. Let's let's kind of look at the story again and look, I know that we we've, we've heard it. I know that we we've, we've we've studied it, but let's let's dive in again because this is such an unbelievable story and it literally has changed everything for the world. So let's look at it together Luke 2. We're going to start with verse number 1 and read through the story. So again, let's enjoy it. Let's 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 meditate on it. Let's let's let it really change us in this moment it says at the time the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman empire this was the first census when Criterius was governor of Syria all returned to their ancestral towns to register for this census and because Joseph was the descendant of King David he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea David's ancient home He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night there were shepherds staying in their flocks uh, nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the glory of the Lord, uh, the, the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby... "...wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, "...Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased." When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, "...Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about." They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in a manger. Three different times here we see this concept of manger. We, we see it at the very beginning when, when Jesus is first born. We see the angels expressing it to the shepherds as the sign. The sign of Jesus was not the babe wrapped in, 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 in clothes and cloth like that. Every baby was wrapped like that. The main sign, the thing the shepherds were looking for was that plus this baby was lying in a manger. And then the final, of course, when they actually see Jesus. Jesus, for the first time, there he is, lying in the manger. And so you have a situation here where where the the word manger really is defined and, and broken down to feeding trough. It was basically something that they used to feed animals out of. And the king of the world, the savior of all mankind, his first place to be, other than probably his mother's arms, is a feeding trough for donkeys, sheep, goats and other livestock. And it's so interesting because, you know, God could have had his son been born anywhere. God could have had his son placed anywhere. And so that must have meant something. That must mean that God had a plan. You see, there's no accidents with God. God didn't sit there and say, well, you know, let's just have him eh, born wherever, and let's just see what happens. There was a purpose in the manger. There was a reason for the manger. There was a reason why God decided that Jesus would be placed in a manger, and also that that would be the sign that he was who the angels said he was. So that just, to me, it brings forth a simple question. It's in your notes. So why a manger? Why did God's plan mean a manger? Why did God say that? Well, I think there's there's four reasons that we're going to look at this morning on why a manger. Four things that we can learn from this little part of the story that we sing about and remember about. Because I think there's some depth here that God wants us to really understand. So number one, of why a manger. The manger, number one, the manger makes Jesus accessible. It makes Jesus accessible. Now here's the thing. If I asked, just walked up of people on the street. And, and, and normal people, and I said, "Listen, where do you think would be the best place for the king or the prince to be born?" I think it would be fairly common that most people would say, "Well, well, he should be, she should be, you know, born at a castle or, or born at a palace." I think that's pretty normal. I know that's what I would think, but God instead says, "No, I'm going to place him in a manger." Now, now, here's the thing about, when I think about a palace, or I think about a castle, or I think about something kind of royal, or something of that nature, I typically also think about the fact that wherever that is, there, there, there are probably walls, there are probably guards, there are gates, there are things that are basically there, if this will make sense, to keep other people away. It's like, you know, this is a certain type of person, and they're the royalty, and they're the king, and the queen, and the prince, and the princess type of thing, and then there's the common people, and the common people can't just walk into the castle, they just can't walk into the palace. There's guards, there's walls, there's gates, there's things that, that keep them away, there's things that keep them from coming close. And I believe one of the reasons why Jesus was born in a manger was it showed that Jesus was accessible. Who were the first people to come see Jesus? They were the shepherds. Now we have to remember who these shepherds really were. Shepherds were really the downcasts of society. These were kind of the low of the low. People didn't look up to shepherds. People looked down on shepherds. And yet, here these men are. They've been told by the angel that Jesus has been born. The Messiah has been born. And they go and find him. They go find him. There's, There's not guards. There's not walls. There's not something to separate them from getting to their Messiah. Instead, they come right up. They come right in and get to experience Jesus. I love that Jesus is accessible to us. That that, that his his birth started the process in which through his death and resurrection, now we can come boldly into God's presence. Jesus came to bring us access back to the Father. To experience his presence and his closeness like God wants us to experience. Jesus' birth shows us the accessibility of our God because of what he did. And we start to see that from the very beginning in his birth. Look at Philippians 2. In Philippians 2, 6 through 8, this is what it says. It says, it says in your, or starting with our five, verse 5, "...in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own, uh, own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing." by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Jesus became like us. He became accessible because of what he was willing to let down, what he was willing to set aside so that he and and we could come together and have communion again. He is our accessible God. He's not far away. He's not hard to get to. He's not tough to find. He is right here, right now, desiring us. And his birth, it shows us the accessibility of jesus which is so incredible number two the manger helps us understand that jesus is willing to show up in the mess jesus is willing to show up in the mess remember the um the nativity i talked about and how nice and clean and and look we've done very you know try to keep it really nice and all that sort of stuff but you know what when you really think about the manger scene and that cave scene or that barn scene, this is not a clean, nice place. This is a dirty place. I don't know about you, but but I, I don't know how many of you have ever been into a barn, like like a real barn, but barns are not the cleanest of, of places. I, I grew up with my, my grandparents and they had a farm and, and, and they had cows and cattle on that farm and, and they had a big white barn that as a kid the goal of my life was to be able to hit a baseball over said barn when we would play baseball in the front yard and and but I remember I would go into that barn and and that barn had a smell and that barn had a mustiness and it was you know there's kind of hay and and things on the ground and but there was also cows that had been in and out of there and leaving their cow patties and I mean so there was definitely a smell and there was, there was it was it was not a clean place it was not like hey let's sit down here and have a, a picnic type of area. It was a, it was a barn. It was there for animals. It, it had a smell. It had a mess to it. And Jesus is born in a very very messy place, in a very dirty place, in a place that basically says, "You know what? I, I'll be born in the mess." to help you with your mess. You see, unfortunately, a lot of people, what they tend to do is they say, you know, Jesus, if if I could just, I'll clean it up, I'll I'll get it nicer, and then when it's all nice, then you can come. Then you can do what you need to do. But first, I need to kind of clean it up. You know, Jesus wants to come and be a part of the cleaning process. Because honestly, you can't clean yourself up enough. You can't get yourself clean enough where where basically it'll be good enough. Jesus is okay coming in the mess. He wants to come in the mess. He wants to clean you from the inside out and allow that to take place. Here's the basic thing. The mess doesn't scare Jesus. You get what I mean? The mess doesn't scare Jesus. And and that's kind of counter... Uh, you know, counterculture for us. Because let's be honest, a lot of us maybe still have family in town, you know, and, and for the, the holidays, for Christmas, and or maybe we're going to visit family. And, and here's the thing, you know, most of us, we, well, oh, family's coming or, or friends are coming over or whatever. We, we tend to clean the house. We try to make it look as nice as we can. We, we, we say, well, we got to make it look nice. we got to make sure everything's cleaned up and, and the sheets are changed if they're staying in the night or, or whatever it might be. And so that's kind of typically our mindset with things. But Jesus says, no. Jesus says, listen, you invite me in. I can handle the mess. I can change the mess. I can clean you up. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke 5. I love this scripture. It says, Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not only those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. What's that mean? Easy. Jesus wants to come and clean your mess. The mess doesn't scare him away. The mess doesn't cause him to walk in and go, I can't believe your life is such a mess. Instead, he says, listen, I came for you. I came for you. The reason why Jesus came in the first place was because, quite honestly, we all have those messes in our life that we need Jesus to come and clean up. So don't be afraid to allow Jesus to come in your mess. He has no problem showing up in the mess. He did it in the manger, and he'll do it in your life today. Number three, the manger reminds us that God can use the lowly things to change everything. I mean, just think about that. God could have had his son born anywhere and placed anywhere. But God says, you know what? I'm going to place the Savior of all mankind in a box with hay in it that quite honestly, probably 30 minutes ago, a cow had his nose all in. It's amazing to me that God can take those things and use them to change everything those things that are so humble those things that are so normal those things that that just seem to be so plain god can take and do amazing things with look first corinthians 1 in first corinthians 1 verses 26 through 29 this is what it says brothers and sisters think of what you were when you were called God loves to take those things that just seem so plain and so normal and use them to do just miraculous things. And it's amazing because what we can do is we can know, listen, hear me here, understand this. If God can use a feeding trough He can use you. He can use me. We may not be the smartest. We may not have the most talent or whatever it might be. We may be lowly in people's eyes and all these things. And God says, man, I love to use those things. I love to get a hold of those things and humble the wise and humble the strong to show them that it's not necessarily about you. It's about me. You see, here's the thing. God loves to work in you and through you. It doesn't matter if you're perfect, because none of us are. It doesn't matter if you still got messes, because we all still do. God loves to take those things. And so now, here's this feeding trough that, quite honestly, billions of people in this world throughout this time have heard about the manger. A feeding trough. God took and used. We're talking about it this morning. God is still using those things to help us to understand more about who He is and His love for us and the fact that God can use anyone and anything, even the lowly things, even the plain things. The final thing, number four. The manger reminds us that Jesus' first coming was in the most humble of circumstances, but his second coming will be glorious. At church over the last several weeks, now, you know, we, we obviously aren't doing it today because, you know, Christmas was yesterday, but we've been celebrating Advent. Advent's another word for coming for the coming basically and and here's the thing in jesus when you think about it christmas is celebrating the first advent it's celebrating jesus is coming as a baby in bethlehem but there is going to be a second advent there is going to be scripture tells us and teaches us another coming and the first one, yeah, it was humble, and it was plain, and it was in the mess, and it, it, was, it was a lot of people weren't expecting it in a lot of ways, and the way it was, but trust me here, the second coming is going to be quite a bit different. You see, we have to remember, and we've talked about it before, that Jesus didn't stay in that manger. The baby grew up. And Bible teaches us that he grew in stature and favor with, with, with the Lord and, and, and with men. And Jesus taught and, and, and experienced a sinless life. And then he laid down his life for you and for me as a ransom for many. But three days later, he rose again. And Bible teaches us that, that the second advent of Jesus is going to look a little bit different and it would not be wise of us to forget as we're celebrating and remembering the first advent that there will be a second advent look at Titus 2 11 through 13 this is what it says for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men that's what Christmas is about That's what that salvation is Jesus. That's what he brought when he appeared to all of us in the manger and lived a sinless life and, and died and rose again. And and in that he was teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly righteously and godly in the present age, but looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see what that scripture is telling us is that yes we should celebrate uh the first advent we should be excited about jesus coming and that coming and and his death and resurrection should change our lives and teach us to live differently but that that While that's happening, during this present time, during this present age, that we should also remember that there is a blessed hope and that blessed hope that we see is the glorious appearing of Jesus again. That's his second advent. And again, that's going to look a little bit different. We see a little bit, a glimpse of this second advent in Revelation 19. Look at it with me. And and as we read this, let's let's remember the, the contrast between his first and his second. It says, Revelation 19, starting with verse 11, I saw heaven standing open. And there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations." He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has written, uh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. As we study and as we look at the difference between the first advent and the second listen I I I understand the first advent's a lot easier to kind of hold on to we can all kind of handle Jesus as the baby we can kind of handle Jesus in the manger and and the sheep and the cattle and the shepherds and and all We, we we can handle that but you know what there is a second advent coming and it's gonna be different And here's the thing, there were a lot of people, and you see this in scripture, who were hoping for the Messiah to come, but they really weren't ready for the Messiah to come. There were still questions, even though Scripture said, you know, you can be born in Bethlehem. There were a lot of questions. There were a lot of misunderstandings of, of, of what the Messiah was going to do and what the Messiah's purpose was in the first coming. But listen, the Bible is very clear on what Jesus' purpose is in the second coming. And we need to be ready for his coming. We need to be ready for that When we really think about Christmas and we think about all these things, we have to remember that Christmas eventually will lead into Easter. Why is that important? It's simple, because without Easter, without the the sacrifice of Jesus, we are not made clean. We are not able to dress in the fine linen, white and clean that we see here in Revelation 19. That has been purchased for us because of the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus. But we have to know his second coming is going to look different. And what I believe the manger wants us to really remember is to make sure that we are ready for the second Advent. You say, Aaron, how do I get ready for the second Advent? I, 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 I understand Jesus as a baby. I understand the story of Christmas to an extent. And, and, and to an extent, I, I, I understand the story of Easter. But, but, but how do I get ready? Well, it's, it's real easy. It's real simple. God, God really probably was, had me in mind when he figured this out. So he made it real simple because I'm pretty simple. He said, you get ready by accepting my son. And like I said, you know, a lot of people this time of year will accept Jesus as, as the baby. But it's a lot harder for people to accept Jesus as a king of kings and lord of lords. But that's who he is. You see, we have to remember, even though Jesus was born as a baby in a manger, even though he laid down his divinity for you and me, he was still all God and all man. You see, even as that baby, he was still King of Kings and Lord of Lords, he was still the Savior and the Messiah that we all need so how are we ready for a second coming simple we accept that he is who he says he is we accept that he's the king of our life the lord of our world and of our life we accept that gift of not only his birth but also of his forgiveness because of his sacrificial death for every single one of us. You see, look, I love Christmas. I love celebrating the birth of Jesus. But I also want to celebrate the hope that we have, as Titus, as it says in the book of Titus, of the glorious appearing of Jesus again. I want you, I want me to be ready for that coming too. For a lot of us, the whole month of December is preparation time. It's getting ready for Christmas Day. And we spend time and we we buy gifts and we get we get ready and we clean the house and we we bake cookies and we 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 we, we sell it we do all of these things put up the lights and the tree all oh, that's great fine and dandy it's awesome but what a sad state of affairs it would be if we got everything ready to celebrate Jesus' first coming and we weren't ready for his second I remember seeing a picture as when I was a child, and it was a picture, and I, I, I don't even remember where I saw it, maybe in a Sunday school room or in a book, and it was a pretty simple picture, and it was kind of a picture of, of, of the manger scene, if you would, and, you know, so there's Jesus and Mary and all these sort of things, and, and, and they kind of were casting a shadow and, and the shadow that was kind of coming off of the manger was, was shaped like Golgotha and like a, a hill with three crosses on it. You see, you really can't celebrate Christmas without remembering where it led. You have to kind of take it all in. I think that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to see the gift of his son, but also know that that gift was really not just his birth, but his death and resurrection. And so to be ready for that second coming, we have to accept that. So look, I I know that we're, we're... at home or 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 in the car or wherever we may be this sunday or maybe on another day of the week but would you do me a favor if would you just would you just bow your hearts, senior with me this morning we're going to close but before i do you know this is the last sunday of of 2021 and You know, looking back on the year, you know, uh, I know it's been a hard year for a lot of us. The last several years have definitely been difficult years. But as we kind of, even as a church, kind of close this season, I just have a question. Are Are you ready for his second? Maybe maybe you've been ready for his first and you've celebrated his first and that's awesome. That's so great. But now the question kind of shifts. Now the question is, are we ready for Jesus' second advent? Are we ready for the fact that he is coming again? And this time he's not coming as a baby. This time he's coming as a conquering king to rule and reign so it's a simple question are you ready for that coming are you ready for that moment because right now you can be right now you can pray and accept not just jesus as a baby but accept him as your Lord and as your savior, as the one who died for you, who made a way for you. If that's you this morning, will you just pray with me? Will you just pray a prayer, something like this? You just say, Father, thank you so much for sending your son. Thank you for for this season. Thank you for the opportunity to celebrate Jesus in a manger and all that it represents and all that it teaches us. But Father, I know that Jesus is coming again. And God I want to be ready for his second advent, too. So, Jesus, if I never have, or maybe I have, but it's been a long time and I haven't lived my life in a way that I should, either way, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I acknowledge that I need forgiveness. And I know that you will forgive me if I ask. So I'm asking for your forgiveness. I'm asking for your, you to cover my sins. Father, I believe that you sent your son to die for me and I accept him now. I love you. Thank you for loving me and sending Jesus for me. In Jesus' name, amen. And scripture teaches us that if we we say that prayer and we mean it with our heart and our mind and our soul, that in that moment, you're ready. In that moment, the old has passed away and behold, everything has become new. What a great way to start basically in a couple of days a brand new year. With allowing god to make you brand new again so listen if you prayed that prayer can you do me a favor will you will you let me or someone that you trust and know will you let them know we want to pray with you we want to help you we want to we want to tell, help you on the next steps of your journey This is just the first step. And and listen, this journey is going to be an amazing journey. There are going to be hard moments and glorious moments, but it's still a journey. And you don't have to journey it alone. So whether it's letting me know or letting someone else, please let them know of the decision you made. Let them know that that this day you were ready. You were made ready for Jesus' second coming. All right? that'd be awesome. Let me pray, and then we'll kind of close. Father, we love you so much, and again, we do thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity to come together as a church family and just learn more about you and have you speak to us about so many different things. God, I thank you for each one. God, I especially thank you for those who have, have given their lives to you And those that have rededicated their lives to you. God, I pray that you would in this moment just continue to just pour your love and your grace and your mercy and your goodness all over them. God, you're so good. Thank you for making a way for us where there was no other way. You're good. And we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, listen, thank you so much for being with us this morning man again I just hope you and your family had a awesome Christmas day I hope that it's just going to continue uh, for the next several days that you would just have the opportunity just to continue to enjoy this season and this time that you'd be making some awesome memories and just really enjoying the time that you have with family and friends and more importantly to have some just some real special time with Jesus so listen, have a great week. Have a safe week. Enjoy your time with your family. I'm really looking forward to being back with you in person next week on January 2nd. I have a very important message to share with our church as, we're, as we prepare for our 21 days of prayer and fasting. I really hope that you can be with us. And listen, have a great, wonderful week. We'll talk to you soon. And once again, even though it's over to an extent, Merry Christmas, and we'll talk to you soon. God bless.